Hello, this is Robert Barge. Welcome to Redemption's Table, where every week we will gather around this table with a special guest to explore the most appetizing ingredient in this menu called life, redemption. I believe in redemption. I believe everybody hungers for redemption, everybody. And the truth is, redemption is all around us every day. It is a recipe that God the Creator sets before us every single moment of our lives. Unfortunately, so much emphasis is placed upon the bad, many have difficulty seeing, experiencing, and tasting the good. So I'm setting out on a journey, going table to conversation, to accentuate the reality of redemption in the lives of everyday people like you and me. A reality that, I believe, finds its ultimate expression in Jesus of Nazareth, who is the not-so-secret ingredient to the redemption we all seek. So, come hungry, join the meal, because Party of Redemption, your table is now ready. Well, welcome to Redemption's Table. Today is Memorial Day, a day commemorating the men and women who paid the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus said in John 15, 13, Greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. So I want to encourage us to pause this day and reflect on those who showed great love for us. They laid down their lives in places like Normandy, Quezon, Gettysburg, Verdun, Pearl Harbor, Stony Creek Township, Fallujah, and Valley Forge, just to name a few. We want to set a special place and an empty chair at today's table for those who helped purchase our freedom. And it's very appropriate that we do so. One of my favorite definitions of redemption is this. Redemption is purchasing freedom for someone who cannot pay the check on their own. And Jesus did that for all of us on a cross long ago. So today we celebrate the goodness of life. And our focus today at Redemption's Table is going to be music. I love music. New songs, new artists are always finding me. According to my Spotify, I listened to 4,225 different songs last year. And much like the Psalms in the Old Testament, there's music out there to match every emotion. And the best music, in my estimation, is always redemptive. So today's table accentuates the gifts and goodness of music, rock and roll, Thai food, friendship, and of course, redemption. Thanks for joining in. Here we go. Just had lunch with Chuck Connor. And Chuck, welcome to Redemption's Table. Man, listen, thank you for having me. You're gracious. The meal was awesome, and I look forward to chatting with you a little bit more. Yeah. What's, the name of, what's the name of the restaurant? It's Lex Thai Food. And, you know, I think it's just Lex Railroad Thai is what they call I it. I love that. Yep. Play on words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's actually here in part of the old Union Station in downtown Montgomery, Alabama. So great Thai food and good place to hang. and. We get looks like we got a, a good room for us to converse in yeah. for a while. So, well, yeah, great suggestion. Uh, I love Thai food as well. I had the main thing I wanted to try out was the Tom Ka, and I had the Tom Ka. It was really really good. What'd you What'd you have? I had the Pud Thai. I used to call it Pad Thai. I think uh -huh. it's actually Pud Thai, which is uh, noodles, chicken, shrimp, and peanut sauce and um, I love it so my, my wife and I were introduced to Thai food when we lived in Nashville years ago and so you know on a date night we would go to a simple inexpensive Thai place and that was also 
there were some really cool little family-owned Thai places downtown around Music Row and stuff that I used to go with my buddies and just so it brings back some good memories of early days with my wife and then also you know days back in Nashville years and years ago so not to mention the food here is great it's really so good I highly recommend it if you like Thai food at all man this is your this is your place here in Montgomery Lex Railroad Thai that's pretty cool yeah I, I, because of my nephew Andrew uh, we were out in California and, and he he's the one that first turned me on to Tom Ka so it's uh, which is what actually it, it is a it's a soup and it has, I don't know what all is in it, but it's a coconut milk-based soup. Oh, wow. And it had shrimp in it. I think there's scallions in it. I think there's cilantro in it. Those those flavors, it's, it, it's, it's heaven in a cup. So what you're telling me is, I should have had that instead of the chicken and rice. No, probably. It's all good. <laughs> sounds great. Well, we're here at Redemption's Table. Um, <clears throat> and tell us a little bit about your journey, about your getting early days redemption what 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 has Jesus done in your life oh man do we have two hours (laughs) I know we don't that's a um yeah I'd love to to go there with you and I'll try to I'll try not to chase too many rabbits um they'll put it in the top there you go if I do just give me the Elmer Fudd sign or something you know and I'll I'll try to land the plane um so try to give you the a bit of the short version that could turn into a 20-minute version but so here, here's the deal man I'm a, I'm a southern baptist preacher's kid okay i was born in um west palm beach florida my dad was a southern baptist minister um try to catch the highlights my parents were divorced when i was seven so okay in the 70s man if you were in ministry you were done you know as a pastor probably for life and so you know big big uh a big uh, speed bump so to speak in 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 my childhood, we moved to Montgomery, mm-hmm. lived here for three years with my mother, then I went back to Florida, then back to Alabama, and then we stayed here from the time I was about 11 until, really until after I graduated, so that's kind of my, my Montgomery story, my dad's originally from here, and um, so as a kid, uh, you know, I made a decision mm-hmm. to follow the Lord when I was really young, six, got wow. baptized, and I think that... Uh, I probably understood as much as a six or seven year old kid could. You know, mm-hmm. my dad was a pastor and was in church and Sunday school all the time. I think, um, I feel like from my little brain, you know, I understood as much as a child could. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I believe that it, it affected, you know, my life. Um, but um, at some point, you know, I kind of lived up to the pastor's kid billing, you know. <laughs> I, I like to say that uh, it was the deacon's kids that led me astray. That's what I would like. You know, I used to tell people that all the time, but I went through a season of that. And I don't know that I was bitter because my parents were separated or any of that stuff or that I hated the church, man. I just made some bad decisions that, you know, um, began to steer me away from my relationship with the Lord, you know, at the end of the day, just got further and further away from it. And I think part of that, when I look back, <clears throat> I think part, at some point, I don't think the church necessarily was saying this, but what I was hearing was that you need to, you need to be a good, this whole Christian thing is about sin management, man. Mm-hmm. You need, and you need to do that well, you know, and I think I heard more about checking the boxes and, and, um, obedience and behavior than I did really about grace and mercy and how that parlays into the thing that you pull from mm-hmm. and, the, and where 
you know, where we get the ability not to do things that break the Father's heart. It comes from the same grace that saved us, and I, I miss that somehow, man. And so, like a lot of, I think, preacher's kids, I got frustrated. I was tired of feeling guilty, you know, and go to... You know, I I rode the same roller coaster a lot of a lot of church kids did. Man, I go to camp, I come all fired up, you know, about my faith, and I'm gonna I'm gonna quit doing this, and I'm gonna quit doing that. And two weeks later, I was doing it, then I felt guilty, and then finally, you finally got to throw your hands up in the air and say, you know, I'm sick of feeling guilty. I'm sick of you know leading people astray, and I, I can't I can't check all the boxes. I can't manage it, and I'm the heck with it, you know. But um. At some point, man, I, I guess, like a lot of people, man, I got sick of it. It was mm-hmm. miserable. And, um, ironically, uh, you know, Christian music had a big impact on my life. My mother had always tried to turn me on to, you know, Christian music. And, I'd, you know, I was into drums and into music mm-hmm. and into bands from the time I was a little kid. And I began to pay attention to a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's what... Uh, I use the term rededicate my life. That's a good Baptist term that we, yeah. we use growing up. But that's I, I don't think it's solely responsible for that. But mm-hmm. it certainly had an impact on me paying attention to maybe what the Lord was trying to tell me in other areas of my, of my life, or maybe to pay attention to other people, you know, in my life. And um, certainly had an impact on me. And I was uh, I was 19, and I remember. We were living in this little community called Hope Hall, which is Hope just, Hall. just south of Montgomery here. What what age were you when you moved there? Uh, I think I was 11. Okay. 11 or 12. Because one of our connections, we have two. Mm-hmm. One of our connections is I preach at a church every Sunday morning that your 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 father was a founder of that church, founder so of that church. Absolutely. So when I was a kid... A Bible study mm-hmm. that my father led turned into, you know, went went from ten people, and over the course of a couple of years to eighty. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually met in our barn, mm-hmm. and that was a, their slogan for a while: was the church born it in the barn? It still is. It's on the board. <laughs> That's funny. So, uh, <laughs> were you born in a barn? And I wasn't close to it, but uh, no, I went from a beach bum to a redneck man. That's you know, from South Florida to, to Hope Hall, but uh, no, I grew up a country boy, really. But no, that that church was that started in in, the, in our barn. At our our older our old place there in Hope Hall, so okay. that's crazy, man. So um, and you were 19 years old. I was 19 years old, and literally, you know, it's funny, man. I, it wasn't I wasn't at a revival, or I wasn't at, it wasn't a church service where I responded. It's just kind of you know I'd kind of been thinking, praying, paying attention to. I had some fr- Christian friends that were influential in my life, you know. And uh, of course, a praying mom, man. I go back and remember talking to her later, and just amazing her faithfulness. And praying for me, but it's just one of those things. I I was in my bedroom, man, all by myself, and I was like, I really, really just it's it's. I'm at the place I'm done with this. I know there's things in my life that are, you know, separating mm-hmm. uh, um, and pushing me away from the Lord, and just, um, I'm sick of that. I'm sick of this this you know lifestyle that I'm living. I'm miserable. Mm-hmm. I know I know there's there's more. Here than, than than what I've been digging up, and um, I just literally got on my knees in my bedroom. And I was all by myself. I was like, Lord, I'm here, man. Just take my heart. I'm gonna give you my life. I want you to be Lord of my life, and just help me, help me, help me pursue you, man. I don't even know how to do that well, really, you know. And um, that's kind of where it started. And then, okay. um, even after that, um, Christian music had a big influence on me. I began to listen to more of it, and. Mm-hmm was really influenced, man, by the words of some of these guys that committed their lives to sharing their faith that way. And um, 
um, it wasn't long after that I kind of felt like you know maybe this is what the Lord has for me and um, I literally got to a point I wanted to share my faith so bad through being a part of Christian band or Christian music I wanted it so bad I was afraid it, it couldn't be right I was like this can't be right you know yeah. this, this is a dream and um, I kind of found out uh, that uh, some of the dreams he laid on my heart you know tied right in with his will for me so it's really really interesting so I, I was able to that's how um, um, through those influences you know in that life uh, that decision um, my life began to change and it took me on a journey of um, I guess we're all still on it you know mm-hmm. of, of process and sanctification and all that but I, I was able to um, have a season of my life where I was able to share my faith through music yeah. and that's how, kind of how that came about but yeah so I'm a was a typical preacher's kid, man. Okay. I thank the Lord um, uh, found some found some grace, you know, before before it was too late or I was too old to care about it. You yeah, know? that's awesome. I mean, that's th- those words you said when you were nineteen, and I just heard somebody share some similar words last night. That I'm done. I'm done. I'm done trying to call my own shots and that that surrender and and then the opportunity to your heart's desire what you know being drawn to using playing the drums to to share your faith uh and that led you to our second connection Mm -hmm. uh and this is one you didn't know anything about we we just have recently struck up a friendship yeah so we we, i think we met at the michael david smith concert michael david smith concert back in december yeah um a Christmas concert, and I have a friend of mine who had been telling me all along, yeah, he used to play for Jeff Moore in the distance, and, and I knew your name, and she said that night, she said, that's him, and so I came up and we, we talked, and then because your dad started the church where I'm preaching, and also you played for a band that, I was a youth minister for 18 and a half years, you played for Jeff Moore in the distance. Mm-hmm. And I have told you, uh, but I'll share it for the sake of the podcast. When I was a youth minister back in the uh, 80s and 90s, when I first discovered Jeff and his music, one day, back then, youth ministers used to receive these packets, if you subscribe to it, called Youth Leaders Only. And they would give you all these free, brand new CDs and uh, cassettes at the time. This is back in the cassette days. Oh man, I hear you. <laughs> Not the, eight the, tracks. The Blue Sparrow cassettes. Remember those? <laughs> yes. <Among> those. <laughs> and I remember picking up one of the cassettes that was in the box that probably went a year or two before I ever paying attention to it, listen to it. And it was Jeff Jeff's uh, uh, Pure and Simple. Yeah. And I began to listen to the words of the, all the songs on there. So many good, good songs on there. It's like, wow. That's, he caught my attention because of the depth of his music. <clears throat> then I was on staff in Abilene at a church. And Abilene, y'all came Texas. to Hardin-Simmons University for a concert. And I don't know if you were with the band yet at that time. Well, but I, re- I, I think I was. And mm-hmm. um, we definitely we will have to circle back to that because yeah, I've got a funny Abilene story for you. That was when y'all were at ACU. Yes. Yeah, that, yeah, I was there that night too. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> yeah. But I remember enjoying the concert. But what struck me most about Jeff, I watched him at the end, the close of the concert, which is normally associated with invitation time or if you want to talk further, making a, the most important decision of your life, surrendering your life to Jesus. And I watched Jeff 
come and sit down at the edge of the stage and just as comfortably as you and I are talking, almost as if he addressed that entire crowd like he was talking to one person. And I was wowed by that. Um, I remember one of my professors in seminary communicating how important it was that that invitation to do it well. And I've seen, in my lifetime, I've seen two or three people that I think exemplified doing it well. One is the most obvious, Billy Graham. But what Jeff did that night, I know I was already deeply connected with his music and the lyrics, but what I saw him do that night, it was real, honest, transparent. I was like, he's a genuine person, not a performer. Big difference. Uh, and so when I discovered you had played the drums, Jeff Moore in the distance, I was like, oh my goodness, because Jeff Moore and Rich Mullins oh, yeah, man. are the two <laughs> in that era back in the late 80s and 90s that to me, the music had just a depth and quality. So I laid out a lot of groundwork there. Uh, what a small world, man. That's so crazy. Yeah, and we, we've been in the same room a few times, just didn't even know each other. That's uh, nuts. My man. son. Daniel, he's a huge Jeff Moore in the Distance fan, or you know, back when he was a teenager. Um, how did you become drummer to Jeff Moore? And you know, just sure. tell us a little bit about. I you. will, man. You know? So, um, golly, that's crazy. And I, I will say this, um, kind of piggyback what you said. Uh, I feel blessed and privileged to have landed in a camp with a with a lead singer leader boss friend like like jeff man it was we were really fortunate just a good bunch of guys that love the lord i'm not saying we got it all right man but really cared about sharing our faith and i, I to this day i, I and I'm, i know this is somewhat biased because we're friends we actually still work together i may get to that after a while but um i just don't know a, a, a better communicator personally it's just he has um a god-given ability to somehow articulate um, what's going on in his head and his heart, but as well as anybody I know. So we were, yeah, just good, good stuff, man. So let me, yeah, and I was actually a fan before I played w with him. You know, his music had had an influence on me. So, whew, I'm, I'm trying to think of how the, the short way to get, um, get the plane down on the airfield here. So <laughs> when um, I'm gonna jump back to my testimony. Okay. <clears throat> after, after I had been. No, not just influenced by Christian music, but literally made a decision. I feel like, you know, that was a, almost like the day of salvation for me, just coming coming home, you know, and started on that journey. And I was actually, I was at a Christian concert, um, and I, I remember one of the, the guys that I was listening to um, just encouraging us to get in the Word, you know. Man, you know, I, I was a preacher's kid, man. I, grew, I heard this a gazillion times, and he's like, man, it needs to be a daily part of your life. Change your heart, change your mind change life and so I made a this grandiose decision to read a verse a day <laughs> and that's how it started for me and I love it so as I began to grow as a believer I began to listen to more Christian music and felt compelled to to do it um a guy turned me on to a band called White Heart man I was a mm -hmm. gigantic fan of them I saw them live in Dothan Alabama and literally about two bars into the first song I'm like that's it man that's that's for me that's what if I can get where I can play good enough, that's that's what I feel compelled to do. And so, long story short, my best friend from high school, uh, Jim Williams, um, who's a guitar player, and um, 
he's one of those dudes that'll make you sick. He's a brilliant vet, brilliant surgeon, great guitar player, just everything he does well. And so Jim and I started a band uh, called Christian Rock Man. It's funny too that we we started this Christian Rock Man, but we go to this little country church out in Hopal. And I say little at the time, it was a pretty big church actually. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of people attending, 500 or so people. And but very rural, and you would think that they would be more apt to um, spawn a southern gospel group, you know, mm-hmm. than a Christian rock band. But man, we couldn't have more support, which was was probably a big deal um, for us at the time. We just wanted to play Christian music, man, and share our faith through the songs that we did. And the church was really supportive, man. There were farmers out there that let us play in the barn, you know. We would wow. get a flatbed, do our own shows, and that's kind of how I got started locally. And um, so we played, man. We used to play at the uh, there was a juvenile detention center uh, east of Montgomery that we played in. We They let us play there once a month because they had turnover, you know, and so they, they nobody got sick of us there. <laughs> but we Fresh played. crowd. Every, yeah, every yeah, man, month. it was great. But I, That's kind of how I got involved and started, and then um, I ended up um, auditioning and playing for a guy named John Allen Garys who lived in um, South Carolina. Okay. And... Um, There's a cool story in that, but because um, somebody had given him my number and Mm -hmm. somebody had given me his, and we both were reluctant to call each other, and we bumped into each other in Nashville, and um, at a at a showcase one night during Mm -hmm. GMA week, and literally once that dawned on us, Mm -hmm. I was like, "So you have my card, and I have your card, and we're standing (laughs) here six months later, kind of the clock kind of stopped." I was like, "Ah, it's probably supposed to be, (laughs) you know." probably supposed to play for you for a while so anyways I, I played with this guy and we ended up I was, it was a band called Jag J-A-G one of the what are the great Christian rock band names Jag. in the history so yeah so we I know the television show I don't remember you know yeah it's different but we ended up it was crazy man we ended up getting a record deal and Billy Smiley the keyboard player for Whiteheart produced mm-hmm. our records and wow um, that was kind of cool we ended up moving over onto Benson and we um so I played with them for a while and then um that came to an end and um I ended up playing. Um, man, I had an awesome year playing with a group called Out of the Gray. Love Out of man, the Gray, dude. I can't. Were you on the Shape of Gray? Shape of Gray? No, no. I just, I just toured with them. Okay. Um, when um, they opened up for Stephen Curtis Chapman on what was called the Great Adventure Tour. Uh, way back. Yeah. yeah. So did that for a few months and then played with them the rest of that summer and that fall. Okay. So um, and man, I met some great people along the way uh, during those times that are still dear friends to mm-hmm. me today. Um, bass player friend of mine named Mark Hill being one of those, and uh, um, so that's kind of kind of my stepping stones. And then um, after that year with them, um, I got the opportunity to audition for Jeff. Mm-hmm. And what's kind of funny um, is that uh, I kind of decided after observing and through also some experiences that as bad as I wanted to be in a band. Mm-hmm. That that might not be the best thing for me. You know, I'm mm-hmm. fixing to get married, and sometimes might not be the best thing financially. It might be better for me if I just kind of bounced around and did a tour mm-hmm. with a with a successful artist from time to time, and maybe was able to do some sessions if I if I was able to get my foot in the door there. Maybe that's what I should do. So I had in my head, I was like, I don't really think I'm going to pursue this band thing anymore. Maybe they're just won't be able to take care of my family like mm-hmm. I want to and all this stuff. And it's funny, man, I was literally in a vehicle with some, some friends of mine coming back from um, Indianapolis. We'd gone to see a Colts game. Mm-hmm. And we were coming back, and at the time, Jeff Moore in the distance traveled in what looked like an airport shuttle bus with a big U-Haul trailer behind it. Okay. 
and they went they went past us on the interstate. <laughs> really? And the, the guys I was with, they knew, I think one of them used to play with Jeff, and they knew all the guys in the band and stuff, and they're like, hey man, there goes Jeff Morris. And they'd speed up and roll down the window, and Roscoe Meek, the guitar player for Jeff, was driving, and they're like, what are y'all doing? Oh, they're deadheading back from some festival. And so they, they holler through the windows, and when the conversation was over, they roll the windows up, and they're like, man, like that Jeff, he's, he's out there dogging it all the time, doing his thing, just playing, playing, playing. Um, I, you know, I, I remember I looked at the shuttle bus, and it was funny because, you know, a year before I'd have died mm-hmm. to be in anything other than a minivan with a U-Haul behind it. Mm-hmm. But I was, I was like, guys, I just don't know that I'll ever do that again. You know, I don't know that I'll ever do the band thing again. Even that's where my heart was. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll probably never do that again. Well, it was about two months later I was auditioning for Jeff. And um, I was actually reluctant to do it originally. Um, I'd become good friends with his drummer, Greg Harrington, mm-hmm. and uh, some of the other guys, and lived in the same apartment complex. But in my head, like it, you know, just being kind of hard-headed, I was like, no, nah, I just need to figure out a way to carve out another way to take care of my family. Mm-hmm. But deep down, that's really where I felt like I belong in a situation like that. And my, my, I'll never forget my wife. Um, I told three or four people I wasn't going to audition, mm-hmm. and she's like, you know. She said, you might ought to eat a little humble pie because you don't even know that you'll get it if you audition to begin with, you I know? And I was like, you're right. You're absolutely right. So, um, you know, then then I, it was so weird. I, when I, Once I agreed to do it, I found myself going, gosh, I, I really hope they asked me to do this. And even though I'd said I didn't want to, and literally, um, I, I Gosh, man, it was early 90s. I remember it was a really bad snowstorm, and a friend of mine took me over there in his pickup truck, and roads were treacherous. And I remember when I was taking my stuff in the rehearsal hall, um, uh, I remember when I took my stuff in the rehearsal hall thinking, just like somebody flipped switches, like, I was like, Lord, please help me. I, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was Jeff. I don't know if it, the guys, just their kindness and helping me set up. But in me, when I walked into the environment, I was like, oh, Lord, I hope. I hope I get this. <laughs> I really do. And I was very fortunate, man, that they they asked me to play. And I was there almost a decade and um, just had some great, great days, great memories, great experiences, and saw the Lord do some cool things. And, um, man, I just I wouldn't trade it for the world, man. It was just a wonderful, wonderful time in um, uh, my life and the life of my family. And um, just very fortunate. And, and fortunate, fortunately, I stayed friends with Jeff and close to Jeff for all these years. And we actually get to work together a little bit. Um, every once in a while, we'll do an acoustic set together. I'll play a little perk and he'll do some songs and we'll do a, a little Sunday together to, to, to promote and share about the, the mission work I'm involved mm-hmm. in now. And then he also years ago started a uh, faith-based outfitting um, operation, hunting and fishing deal that... Um, has actually become a nonprofit mm-hmm. and uh, bless a lot of people that need uh, need some uh, ministering too. Need to get outside and do smell some air and see some of the Lord's creation and have some great fellowship. And anyway, long story short, I'm a, I'm a part of that to some degree as okay. a part-time guy. So we're still connected. So it's crazy after all these years, we still get to do some ministry stuff together. So okay. that's kind of how I got there and um, a gazillion crazy stories. The, in between the bookends, you know. Spiritual growth during that time. I mean, again, mm, what I awesome. witnessed sitting on the edge of that stage, um, and I think you have shared a little bit with me one-on-one mm-hmm. before coming to the podcast about just just the 
being disciples together, not just being band members together, but being disciples together. Um, I'm going to highlight and touch on that for just a, a moment. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, um, I think like any other human being in ministry, man, you don't, you don't get all that stuff right. But I think as long as, um, not as long as, but I think what makes a difference is you're around other people that are on the same tracks, you know. Mm -hmm headed the same direction so there's some accountability some encouragement some just being, you know guys that care about their faith man so um some of us went to different churches you know my wife and i went to um christ president franklin at the time and such a great gosh man what a great season in our life to hear uh, scotty smith teach and there, there were some great bible studies that we were able to be a part of when i wasn't traveling and mm -hmm. things like that and just being around guys that, Jeff as a leader, mm -hmm. being around people that actually care about their faith, you know, and this, the things that we're trying to share mm -hmm. with people. And so whether it's conversations on the bus or whether it's, you know, the guys you're spending time with when you're off the road, being a part, man, critical, even though you're traveling a lot, mm -hmm. that you have a faith family at home that you can connect with with some degree. I'll tell you something. I, um, I really hadn't thought about this in a while until you asked me the question, but something that... Um, we did in our camp that I think was really important was um, we had several different guys that were like they were kind of, they were like road pastors for for lack of better words. They, Jeff just um, made it a point that throughout the year he had different guys. Um, they weren't necessarily um, you know pastors as far as you know what they did as their vocation, but mm -hmm. had some kind of ministry connection. Um, um, uh, with, you know, in their life and um, something that they cared about. There was a guy named Kevin Conklin, a guy named Tim Burke, a guy named Doug Smith, are th the three that really come to mind. That, mm -hmm. I mean, it was really cool. They would come out and spend a week, maybe eight days, on the road with us. That's awesome. And just um, th while they were there, it might be Bible study or devos in the morning. And then, uh, some of them, they all did this. They would, they would kind of bounce around and kind of mm -hmm. spend one day with this guy and one day with this guy and just talk about life whether it was you know life on the road life mm -hmm. at the, how are things at the house man how, you know it, it just it, so it was accountability and people mm -hmm. pouring into us and man it was that was that was important man I look back and very very important because you know you go through different seasons and mm -hmm. have somebody that you become close enough to that is out there enough in that capacity you feel like you're willing to you know be honest with yeah um, was really important you know so I'm, I'm thankful for that too you can catch yourself feeding others so much you're not being fed yourself and so it's a beautiful beautiful means to keep keep being fed you know, by yeah for, even if you're not the one talking the yeah. most you know for sure man yeah. you just have to, you're giving a lot and you're spending a lot and it's you know man that's a crazy lifestyle that'll yeah. tax you you know physically and mentally and spiritually too so so much great music there there's so many great great songs I, I listened to part of my my two favorite albums, and there's not a bad album in the bunch, but Pure and Simple, and then Threads, and I love the song Threads, uh, Desperate Men, Only a Fool, so much good songs. As a drummer, being a drummer, what were your favorite distant songs to play? Ooh when you're in concert. That's a, wow, that's going to be a tough one because some of my favorites to play were songs that were recorded by the, some mm -hmm. of the guys that came ahead of me like uh, um, 
uh, Greg Harrington, man, I just I was a huge fan of him. It was thank he was the drummer friends. before. He was a drummer ahead of me. Okay, um, I loved his playing, man, and, and uh, he did uh, his. Uh, of course, one of my other drum heroes, Chris McHugh, I think played on some of Jeff's original records. You know, I think the first time Jeff did "Why Should the Devil," I think Chris McHugh actually played on that track. So, and he and Greg were those the two guys I was. I'd like to say I was influenced by them. I certainly wanted to play like those guys did, but um, some of the stuff Greg played on, I really liked a lot. You know, when we were doing stuff, the Evolution record, that was mm -hmm. stuff that Greg actually tracked. I actually joined the band right after they got done releasing that record. So okay. I um, I like some of the stuff he played on there. Um, um, you know, I like the way he played um, Dell. Uh, he just, there was just, that made it fun. And mm -hmm. um, he's just a great groove player, so I dug that. Um, as far as the stuff on the like the Threads record, mm -hmm. um, um, or Home Run, going back because you were on back, both of those. I'm a, I'm a big mid tempo fan, so some of that stuff that just uh, groovy mid tempo stuff that Jeff did well, I, I liked that. But the um, off for, off Threads, the song Scattering was a blast yeah. to play live. It's yeah. fast and fun. And I've used the words of that song in a sermon. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. So I like that, but um, I I like playing Only a Fool. Um, I like those slow mid-tempo things but also it was, it was probably my favorite song on the record and um only a fool it was yeah, um it, it still is and um kind of means a lot to me it, it, it reminded me um, first time i heard the lyric it reminded me a bit of my dad um and his calling to missions and um that song kind of became a a great song to uh, of encouragement i think to people that were considering stepping into ministry man i remember i met a little girl one time um after a show and she said gosh she goes that song um, can't tell you what it, what how it's encouraged me. She said because I remember when um, I was in college, she said I, I, all I was ever compelled to do, um, you know, literally from the time I was in tenth grade mm -hmm. into college, I felt like I wanted to serve at the local church, and so kind of my dream became. Um, to just be a, you know maybe an admin person at a church a secretary or something just just have some behind the scenes job at a mm -hmm. church that were you know it made a difference mm -hmm. and uh, whether I got any credit or not I just wanted to serve a local church and she said I remember being so made fun of by my friends in college you mm -hmm. know for not having higher aspirations or um, you know not not having the desire to acquire or achieve any more than that and she said that you know that song just really yeah. spoke to her man that man how cool is that it just yeah. kind of makes every all the hard stuff behind the scenes worthwhile when you hear something like that so that was not only a fun tune to play but um uh you know it's even better when you like you like the part and you love the song it just yeah. kind of it's like the best of both worlds so all that, all lyrics, that stuff yeah, oh man lyrics are so important yeah you and i know Lyrics strike me, lyrics strike you, you know, um, you know, when a good written, a well-written lyric, I think of uh, Paul Simon's song, uh, I think it's Graceland, the Mississippi Delta was shining like a national guitar, that's wow. Uh, my friend Ross King, who was on the podcast a few weeks back, he, he's written a new song, Things That I'm Afraid Of. And there's a, there's a lyric in that song where he's talking about Jesus. He says, the things that I'm afraid of are afraid of you, Jesus. And uh, that's the lyric. The things that I'm afraid of are afraid of you. What are some of your favorite lyrics? Maybe some in the band sure. uh, or, you know, even currently, you know, two or three of them. Oh, um, man. So that's funny. I have um, sometimes I'll have retention problems when it comes to lyrics because 
because I kind of grew up, you know, wanting to be a drummer and then mm -hmm. getting to play. I pay attention to, you know, grooves and drum parts, bass parts as much as I would lyrics. So mm -hmm. um, I would kind of bounce back and forth to what I was kind of honing in on. Because I don't multitask very good. But, I don't either. But, but there was... Um, Actually, let me pull up one that I got on my phone that I, I actually made a copy of the day because I love this. Um, so one of one of Jeff's songs. Mm -hmm. Here I am. I, I swear I'm not. I'm not trying to promote his new solo record or anything. Uh, <laughs> um, it was actually this was actually off one of his solo records long after I played with him. Um, called Out Here. I love that song. Gosh, man, I love this this um, the course of this song, and of course it means a lot to me because I love being outside. That's mm -hmm. one of the places where I feel like my soul get some some nourishment you know and um yeah out here in the wild and the wonder where the lightning and the thunder serve a great awakening out here where the one who did the making still in me creating a place where i am free i can hear i can breathe i believe out here that's uh that's one of my favorites man and i, I love that and of course there's gosh man i'm a fan of a lot of music man I, i'm a i love chris stapleton you know uh, God, what a incredible singer songwriter! He's written some stuff lately that I just I love. And then um, you know, I, from him to uh, you know some of the old stuff I grew up mm -hmm. on, man, old old Melon Camp and old you know Journey stuff. It's just, I'm just all over the place. I just like good songs and good lyrics. Mm -hmm. And um, man. I, I could just jump around all day, you know, with, with that kind of stuff. Um, a lot of Christian music. I love the song uh, "Over Me" by White Hart was one of my favorites. And I love "In um, the Kingdom" by them. Oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. That whole Freedom record was, yeah. man, one of the I think the all-time great Christian rock records. You know, and another one. His heart was always in it. Yep, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that came came later. And, yeah. Um, God, man, there's just so much good stuff. I I love some of. Uh, that song "Healing Healing Touch" uh, by Russ Taff. I mm -hmm. love that song. Um, God, there's so many good ones, and then of course there's there's great you know secular stuff out there mm -hmm. that that um, is great too. My son and I were listening to some old. Uh, he's young. He's 19, but he's a little bit of an old soul man. He likes everything from Hendrix to Greta Van Fleet, you know. Yeah. So he's but he uh, was listening to some old. Uh, some old Queen and some old uh, Beatles, you know, and just talking about the lyrics. And sometimes we end up in conversation. How it seems like back then there were there were more meaningful lyrics mm -hmm. available to the airwaves than, than there are these days. I don't know if that's the case. I guess everybody, when they gets older, says that about you know the stuff they grew up on. But it, yeah. it, it feels like that a bit, you know. But I still hear things. I like songs are always finding me. So yeah. I oh, like for sure. Good stuff. Yeah, for sure, and it's it's funny, man. I, um, and and they'll speak to you. I don't think they necessarily have to have a Christian label mm -hmm. on them to speak to you at all. Uh, you know, I believe you know redemption is everywhere. Anything good in this in this life, it, every good and perfect gift comes from God, and His goodness is all around us. Uh, again, one of the songs interesting. I was listening to Home Run. There was a song that just popped in my mind, and and I don't recall focusing a whole lot of it. Uh, or focusing on the song a whole lot at the time, but it's evidences of God. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they even, uh, you know, I've got to hear every mountain, every valley, every creation that surrounds me, every breath I take, every heartbeat, every sunrise that you give to me, every blue sky, every starry night, paint a picture we cannot deny. 
like a warm rain in the summertime, like a first kiss or a baby's cry. These and so much more tell a story we cannot ignore of the evidences of God. Oh, man. And dude. his evidences are all over. And that's kind of what podcast is about, is helping people see the evidences of God are all around us. Redemption is all around us. Isn't that so. crazy? It reminds me, so... Um uh, before I even met Jeff, I was, you know, was a fan of his, and one of the, and I don't know if this was off Pure and Simple or not, but there was a song he uh, recorded called "Reminders of You," mm-hmm. that is real similar mm-hmm. in lyric. Um, I just, um, gosh, man, good stuff right there, and 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 what a what a great reminder, you yeah. know, to pay attention, man. I think I'm I'm guilty as I will, I'm sure everybody is yeah. to some extent, but I like to preach that a little bit sometimes yeah. about you know man just pay attention man we walk past a flower that's blooming or a beautiful sunset area there's you know we blow by about that stuff really quick these days you know because mm-hmm. you're in a fast world even doing ministry stuff man mm-hmm. you got a you know you got an earbud in and you're mm-hmm. looking at your phone and it's just we're trying to cram as much in a little box as we can and it's easy to miss that stuff yeah. and I, I, I think uh you know, thank the Lord for guys that write stuff like that to make us pause a little Pay bit. Attention, and, yeah. yeah, open our eyes, smell yeah. a little bit, you know. Got to ask one more quick question. Yeah, I man. asked this on behalf of my son. Uh, he, he he said, when y'all were touring mm-hmm. back, uh, I know occasionally you'll have events come up where you got you have more than one band present. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you go on a tour and you've got... Of this band coming along, or these opening acts, or y'all have been opening acts. He was just asking, what are some of the favorite other bands, or maybe individuals that you toured with? Your personal favorites, you know, that you had. Gosh, man, a, a bunch of them. So, um, I love Small Town Poets. We traveled, mm-hmm. we toured with them. Great dudes. We played a lot of pickup basketball with those dudes <laughs> in the afternoon. They're just, man, just fun band. Good songs, good writing. Great dudes to be around. I really enjoyed. Our time with them, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, we did a we did a thing with the Newsboys one year, and I loved that. Uh, Jody Davis and I go actually way back. Mm-hmm. We played in a, in a in that band Jag. We actually played in that band together, so it was kind of cool to reunite with with him for a little while on the road. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Big Tent Revival, mm-hmm. big fan man. Um, we we had a blast touring. I think it was the Home Run tour. We we toured together and. Again, man, they had some really good songs, man. Um, Wiggins just wrote some great songs and great lyrics, and they were great dudes and a lot of fun. Oh my gosh, they were a lot of fun. Yeah, just th- th- those two in particular jump out at me. Okay. You know, it- it's hard to beat when you like their music mm-hmm. and they're good dudes and you enjoy being with them. I mean, it doesn't really get any better, you yeah. know. So, yeah, those two for sure. I want to ask you about what you're doing now. And I think I, I told I mentioned to you, I know we've got so much that we could talk about for it's more sure. than than one podcast can hold. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just kinda wanna close out our time today, uh, just very briefly talking about what you do now. You're uh, sure. you're with Christian Missions Unlimited. Yes sir. and just briefly and when we come back and God willing, I hope to yeah, at the mean, end I of the so. summer, <laughs> uh, sometime in the fall uh, come together with you again, sit down at the table, and talk about uh, this part of what's going on in your life right now, uh, CMU. But just briefly share what, what CMU is all about, how you, a little bit of the story behind CMU, yeah, dude, how you got involved in it. It's crazy. So I, um, you know, my dad started, uh, you know, when he was done with a pastorate, the Lord was kind to him and gracious to him. There's a great redemption story 
there. Um, he, um, I'll fast forward a bit, found his calling in serving a local church in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, started an organization that basically funded uh, church buildings for existing congregations that didn't have the resources to have one. And in that culture, it's a big deal, mm-hmm. you know, that they have something of permanence, gives them credibility and validity in the neighborhood. And um, at the end of the day, man, you're helping expand the gospel when you you help breathe a little life into the local church in, in another country. And so that's what Christian Missions does. And that's what um, my dad started doing that in the 70s. And um, I packed a lot of duffel bags full of, you know, hygiene kits and clothes and things for him to take. And I thought it was wonderful that, you know, in my mind, he helped helped people in Brazil. But, you know, I had no aspirations. I had no, uh, I had no, um, you know, there was no desire there for me to, but what he did was great, but mm-hmm. I never saw myself, you know, working with my dad or serving with him or anything. Mm-hmm. I just thought I'd play drums till I got arthritis so bad that I'd have to quit. That yeah. would be what I did. And um, Lord had different plans. And when when um, uh, Jeff Moore and the Distance dissolved, I actually was planning to go play with someone else. And um, my dad called. It was some crazy God things and the timing. He said, "Hey, would you ever consider coming home to help?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'll pray about it." And I blew it off and. Again, my wife is, and I were talking, and we're like, probably should really pray about this, you know. We don't want to miss anything, so it wasn't, um, uh, you know, it wasn't like I, I really want to make sure people understand. I wasn't like I left, I left something that it, it pained me to walk away from. I, listen, I loved playing. I felt very fortunate, you know. I felt like I was just a kind of an average player, player that really loved to play and loved mm-hmm. to play songs and, and and try to do a good job, but. Um, it wasn't something that, it, you know, like it ripped my heart out to leave Nashville. I just felt like that was what I was supposed to do, man. Mm-hmm. I was fortunate to have done it as long as I did, and it probably time for some other young guy to to, to, to have an opportunity somewhere. But we uh, um, we came home from Nashville um, around 2000, and mm-hmm. I, went, I literally went to work for my dad. And it's funny because the whole time I was involved in music, I would watch a road manager almost daily and look at them and go I'll never do that job mm-hmm. that job stinks mm-hmm. <laughs> you know the planning the logistics and all the behind the scenes things and it's funny the Lord has a sense of humor because I moved home and became a road manager for a mission organization <laughs> this is really yeah. what, I, what I did but that started in the early 2000s and I've been a part since okay. um, my, pa- my father passed in 2010 okay. and I, um, they handed me the torch and I became the director and, and we're a little mom pop mission organization that uh, gets to do some wonderful things because we have a, um, a large family of people that, that feel um, called and compelled to help us. And so what we do, man, Christian Missions connects a local church here in America with a local church in Brazil. Okay. And we step alongside the mission efforts of the Baptist associations that we work with there. Mm-hmm. By, like I told you, providing a building mm-hmm. for an existing congregation. It's, um, you know, it's not a building that will come thing at all. These mm-hmm. Some of these churches are a year old. Some of them have been or six years old where a missionary went into a small town and planted a home church and now they're renting a building or something and they just need a little life man they don't have the resources to own their own yet they're mm-hmm. paying to rent and when we give them that gift man it wow. really pushes them forward um, in their opportunities and their ability to expand the gospel in the community they're called to because they don't have any debt man they, they can use what little resources they have for ministry and helping maybe support a pastor and and I love it because it's um, what I have found. Uh, two things I found that, that I don't think I understood as a kid is that um, 
the ripple effect of, of your presence there, just breathing a little life into that church, um, lasts a long, long time, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, there'll be fruit from it, whether you see it while you're there or not, there'll be fruit from investing in a local church there because they are still continuing to minister to the people they've been called to long after we come home. Mm -hmm. You know, that's their country and it's their town, and it's their church and their community. And I love just stepping alongside them and helping them because um, it's producing fruit after we after we return, you know. Mm -hmm. And I, it, it's easy, man. I, and I've done stuff where I feel like when I came home, I left a void, you know. And it's mm -hmm. easy to do that in mission trips if we're not mm -hmm. careful. And so I, I love serving the local church there. And also, um, I didn't understand as a kid how it affects the lives of people that go. You know, I think that's an important part of um, really the ministry that we have, man, what you expose them to and introduce them to. And, you know, some of them, the worst thing that'll happen is you're going to come home a better church member and more sensitive to ministry opportunities around you. That's about the worst thing that can happen, you know. And um, that's where some people find their calling to, to form missions in another place. And then sometimes, like I said, you just come home more sensitive to um, you know what the Lord has for you here, and um, it's funny how sometimes we end up having to go five thousand miles away mm -hmm. to understand that geography is really not what it's about. It's be faithful where you're at, you know. Yeah. But sometimes we have to go somewhere to learn that. Yeah. But um, so yeah, I'm, I, I, I love it. I love what we do, and I've been been doing that for a while. And um, you know, I, I that's kind of you know, like I told you, that's how I got there. It's yeah. kind of crazy. So um, I'm blessed, man. I've gotten to do some some really uh, not just neat things but things that I'm passionate about mm -hmm. with people I love being around and doing it with and is you know it's still still the same today so yeah. thank you for even asking man it, oh, you're it's, welcome. it stirs my heart a bit to, 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 to toss that out you yeah. know how, how how many trips coming up this summer so we'll do we'll do uh, six this summer okay. and, and one in the fall okay. and so uh, yeah man um, we'll, we'll kind of it's kind of a blitz from Mid to the end of May through September is kind of our, our typical building season. Mm -hmm. And then um, um, the rest of the fall is, um, you know, recruiting teams and maybe raising a little money to help build buildings. And then I'll do a little work with FA with Jeff Moore, like I told you about, during part of the fall. And then it's all that road manager stuff that I got to do. And, um, and then we'll also host some team. And I didn't get I'll, – I'll give you like a 30-second version of this. But after my father passed, we um, – took his house out there on our old home place mm -hmm. in Opal and turned it into a bunkhouse and we call it Chuck's house so it's not named after me okay <laughs> it's, I'm not, it's not you're it's, not the Chuck I'm no 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 man I'm not that egotistical it's, it was named after my dad but we um we called it a lot of people called it that in the community okay. it was always kind of an open door for teenagers and things and so we created a bunkhouse and, a, and we created a place where we could host um home mission groups family mission groups um we did church staff retreats and things like that mm -hmm. so when I'm not in Brazil, those, those are things that are going on, um, uh, you know, in our ministry life, too. So the, the Chuck's House thing's become a big part of CMU in general. You know, it gives us a way to do ministry in our backyard and at the same time introduce people to missions, you mm -hmm. know, without flying across the pond. And, okay. and it's uh, affordable. And, and also, uh, we got a cool, cool little farm out there, and it's a great place for church staff retreats and things like that. So we're seeing more and more of that happen. We host some men's retreats for some local churches there. So that keeps me jumping, man, right. but when, when I'm not, not traveling to Brazil. so. And if someone wants to connect with that, uh, how where do they find it? I mean, 
ChristianMissions.org. ChristianMissions.org. Yep, that's our website. Okay, gotcha. And then, um, you know, there's a way that they can email me through that, or Mm -hmm. if they wanted to email me directly, it's easy. Uh, Chuck, Mm -hmm. then the number three, Chuck3 at ChristianMissions.org. Okay. Just they want to just, man, we're 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 not so big, you know, that I have somebody filling all my calls. You know, we're it's it's kind of funny. You know, our our Christian Missions World Headquarters. For years, was in a single wide trailer out there on the yeah. farm, and now we've moved it to the end of the old bunkhouse. So, okay. <laughs> uh, but we're easy to get a hold of, and I think at the end of the day, people probably appreciate, you know, that they can um, they can go on a trip and uh, they can they can call and talk to the director or the guy that led their team if they want to talk to him, you know, cool. when they get home. So we we'll try to try to keep it keep it simple like that and relational. So. Well, God willing, we're going to come back in the yeah, summer man, I'd love and to. connect and hear, hear how your summer went, but also give you a chance to kind of tell us a little bit more about CMU. Yeah, sure. I, there. I'd love to, and that, oh man, my heart will be singing then, I'll guarantee okay. it, because we'll be fresh off these mission trips and things like that, and I'll hopefully have some good stories and, and, and nuggets to drop in the conversation with you, so okay. look forward I, to that, man. Okay. Going the distance. I have a curiosity question. Yeah, it yep. just popped in my head today. Yep. You, how did how did the the distance? Where did that come from? The name Jeff Moore in the distance. Man, this is going to be an epic fail. I can't remember. Okay, I, kn- I remember. Okay. I literally remember when I was playing with Jeff. I heard the story uh-huh. how he came up with the distance. I want to say he wanted to have something that kind of sounded or had the same ring as like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Okay, you know his guys. Okay. But I don't know. There's a story that I'm forgetting about how he chose. The word the distance, you know. Every, uh, everything worth repeating goes the distance. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Every, yeah, maybe every so. good news is echoes and I don't you know, know. I honestly don't. <laughs> see, next time I talk to him, I'm going to have to find out. I'm going to feel like an idiot that I forgot. It's but, okay. You know, that's, that's funny, and I, I appreciate you asking. It was yeah. funny when I, when we met that um, you and I both grew up in a time where, you know, that, that season of Christian music was so good, man. Mm-hmm. And I, I think. You know, I was so influenced by so much of it mm-hmm. that probably makes it a little more dear to my heart. But there, there were a lot of great artists and a lot mm-hmm. of good opportunity for, for artists, whether they were big or popular or not, for mm-hmm. people to hear them. And mm-hmm. I think because there was so much Christian radio, yeah. and um, you know, you could uh, independent artists could send something to a radio station and mm-hmm. somebody give them a chance. You know, and I, I just we were exposed to a lot of good stuff and there was a good brotherhood I think in mm-hmm. Christian music at the time so I, I'm, I mean we're, we're from the same cloth man I think yeah. we, we like a lot of the, the music from that era so it's been fun talking with you about that even even you know um, off the microphone here it's yeah. been fun catching up and talking about that yeah. stuff and reminiscing it's been a lot of fun well thanks for meeting with me my friend yeah my pleasure time. man God bless you dude yeah, I, I love you're doing this and I hope uh, like you said I hope we can <laughs> connect again at the end of the year and do it again plan to I our, uh, those of you who are listening to the podcast, be back here next Monday morning. Every Monday morning, we release a brand new episode, and uh, you can find it on, well, you've already found it, obviously. If you're listening, you've already found it, so you know where to find it. Our uh, sign-off, Chuck, is Party of Redemption. Your table is now available. I'm going to let you do the sign-off for it. Party of Redemption, your table is now available. Go for it. Party of Redemption, your table is now available. All right. We'll see you next time.